Creative Execution. What's your process? Creative Execution. I'm your host, Brianna Elmore, and this is the Creative Conversations podcast presented by One Choice Magazine. Creative Conversations is a safe space to help both experienced and beginning creatives see the beauty in what they do in order to take their career to the next level. Whether you're just getting started or your work is finally gaining traction, Creative Conversations is a community of creatives willing to learn from mistakes as well as win. Be sure to share it with a creative person to encourage them on their journey and tag the newsroom at One Choice Mag Newsroom on Facebook and Instagram. It's only up from here. This week, we have an incredible creative guest to help you along on your journey. Without further ado, let's jump into it. Welcome back to another episode of the Creative Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Brianna Elmore, and today we have someone that is super special to me, as we do every week, but this one hits different as as it does every week. This one hits different. We have an amazing human being, a loving and kind soul, someone who I've had the pleasure and honor of knowing for quite some time. And I love her so much. She is an accomplished corporate professional. She's an accomplished serial entrepreneur (laughs) and creative and all around uh, an amazing dog mom as well. And she's got pretty good taste in Greek organizations, if you know what I mean. <laughs> but without further ado, we have Rochelle Barge. Thank you. Were you talking about me that whole time? I was. <laughs> it was. It was. <laughs> well, thank you for having me, Bree. I was, um, I was a little nervous. I was like, wow, I remember that this feels like the tables are turning a little bit, you know? I remember the days when you were on the other side of this. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. And um, so I call you Shelly, but we will call you Rochelle. Rochelle, can you tell us about yourself? Okay, and for the record, it does not matter. Whichever one comes out. So um, my name is... Try to keep it cute and professional. You know, I just don't want nobody to get crazy. So I was like, okay, she said you can call her Shelly, then you can call her Shelly. But yes, go (laughs) Well, um, so my name is Rochelle. Uh, some people call me Shelly. And I am the proud owner of Giddy Gut Wellness Center. And um, that is a hydrocolon therapy center, better known as colonics. Um, and um, I have been, Giddy Gut has actually been my business since 2019. It has actually fairly recently become a colon hydrotherapy center um location to be determined i am actually practicing in, a, in another clinic but fingers crossed um end of uh, april i should be opening my own location and i will officially be getting up wellness center um <laughs> and not you know the independent therapist that works for another um company but um what else so just the intro um like you said i'm a a dog mom Um, amazing dog mom amazing dog mom a lover of people um a fan of art and creatives and just the all-around i think cool person you know 
I think so. I would have to agree. I would have to agree. I'd be remiss if I did not. Uh, <laughs> so thank you for that intro. And I just think that your journey to getting to this business has been something that is not only like interesting, but is very like aspirational for creatives too. Um, I, I've always long admired like just your ability to just continue to always fight for yourself and and really fight to not only establish yourself, but like, I'm going to do what it is that I am passionate about. And you've always been very passionate and, and steadfast in your journey to be like, I am going to see this passion through and I don't care what it got to look like to other people. I don't care what it looked like to me. I'm going to do this, like, you know, and I'm still going to stick with it. And it's just like, okay, and allowing yourself the room to grow and to get to who you are in your purpose for your career. So I've always admired that. And we're going to talk about it today, y'all. So it's not going to be ambiguous to y'all either. Y'all don't <laughs> understand, but I've known her for years. So I have to say that part, but we're going to get into it. Ooh, okay. We're going to do this some word association. Are you ready? I think so. We should be. It's nothing there. Uh, mindfulness. Peace. Center. Balance. Wellness. Health. Fear. Healthy. Grounding. <laughs> Important. <laughs> <laughs> Any of them that you want, <laughs> anything that you want to expand on from the word association? Um, grounding. It is something that I have struggled with tremendously. And as I have completely bombed, <laughs> I've started businesses, I failed at businesses, I've succeeded at businesses. And I don't know, maybe it was just the grace of God with the, with the successes, because I can tell you at no point in a lot of those ventures was I grounded. And so not being grounded caused me to completely have an absolute mental breakdown more than once. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so grounding, I literally like <laughs> it's on, on like when I write out like my affirmations, like I one of them is I am grounded. <laughs> I have to, it's almost like a reminder because I'm really not in most cases. And so it's my reminder to, okay. But I feel like that's also kind of like a, a, a self, it's not a self-fulfilling prophecy, but it's like a manifestation, right? So it's like, I feel like I'm so not grounded. I'm going to speak being grounded and rooted onto this situation. So it's like, I can speak that in there. And so now that, like you said, that's now in your forefront that's now in your thought process so you're like okay now I'm going to work towards grounding because I've actually spoken these things I've spoken this word I believe that I'm going to have the the grounding but if you guys read the bible faith without words is dead so you cannot just say grounding and have the faith to be grounded you have to actually have a mentality like okay I am now going to do things that will root me in this process because otherwise I'm going to be a tumbleweed. Yeah. And just flying, you know, I mean, it, I mean, you know me just blowing with the wind sometimes, you know, because when you're a visionary and you do see things that other people don't see, the gift of vision can be a curse if you don't understand how to, um, 
one, write things out, put things in order and, and understand which things you should be acting on and which things, you know, maybe, you know, things you need to add down the line. It's like you can all you can just be constant ideas, but you can't finish. You can't finish or complete anything. So, yeah, grounding is like, um, what was it like? What was that? Pee Wee Herman's Playhouse or something like they used to have like the word of the day. Like, I'm just like, grounding. <laughs> yeah, like all the all sirens going off like, hey, sis, get out the wind. Get out the wind. <laughs> yeah. And so would you say, so you say you have, have had different like entrepreneurial pursuits and stuff that didn't take place. Do you feel like the overall result, which it sounds like you said this, but correct me, the overall, the reason why those things didn't work out is because you didn't come at them from a rooted place. Right. You weren't grounded at all. You were just like, this sounds fun. Let's do it. Or yeah, this but- is like, or you're like, this is a good idea. Let's do it. I have this vision, let's do it, and not necessarily have the grounding necessary to make sure that it has some type of longevity, right? Or no? Absolutely. That is that is exactly. Um, because in reality, as far as business and money, you can make money doing anything. Right. You can make millions doing anything. Mm-hmm. People are, in this day and age, people prove it all the time. Look at TikTok. They literally, you know, they get a couple of viewers doing something stupid, right? Right. But everything that crosses your mind or comes across your path is not for you. I that's have- a word. Hold on. <laughs> that is a word because that's true because I feel like especially like relating that even to myself just like okay you have all these different talents or you can figure out how to do these different things and I think it gets so hard to figure out how these things cultivate to 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 make up something that make up you make up your like specific niche and so I feel like it's like it's really hard to figure it out when you're like well I can sing but I can dance I can write I can you know, I could do all these different things. I could, maybe I could do right. I could do this. I could do that. I like to teach stuff. What is that? Where does that fall into play? Oh, I got this. By the way, I got a finance degree. Or by the way, I got an HR degree or whatever kind of psych degree. How does that fall into any of this? Like that I'm thinking about what I want to do. How does that all fall into that place? Because it's like all these random things how do I somehow stitch these together and make it cohesive? Yeah. And, and sometimes it's not trying to stitch it together. And that's what I learned. It is where am I starting? What does it take to get that thing done? And even if I'm great at finance, I actually have to make some finances to manage finance. I have to kind of get there first. It's, again, falling back in line and doing things in order. Mm-hmm. And I've worked from the auto industry to real estate, um, to my friend's cleaning company. Um, serve, I mean, I've worked in all kinds of industries. And I've taken something, a skill set from everywhere that I've been. Mm-hmm. And they can apply to my business, but it doesn't mean that, yeah, I pretty I did pretty good at the at the cleaning business, and people love me, and I understand how to manage it. And yeah, I mean, you can make a lot of money and affect a lot of people's lives, but that ain't that's not for me, right? And it's just like I, I sometimes I feel like everyone wants to 
and we've talked about this on this show before we want our guests so it's just like you know a lot of people want to do the main character uh they want that mentality and i think that you should be the main character in your own story right but sometimes it pays to be a supporting actor it's, it pays to be a supporting role okay because like you can utilize a mentality that you might have gotten from the finance in the cleaning industry you yeah. know what i mean that doesn't mean that you want to be the ceo or cfo of this cleaning business that just means okay i've adapted an audit mindset to help me organize inventory for this or you know something else it could be as simple as getting a mindset or a work ethic from a specific job or a specific industry that you can carry with you in all of your experiences. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. And that was a whole many year long lesson for me. Mm -hmm. I think it's a, a super, it's always a balancing act to figure out how you can do that. Like I just, for me to figure out like, when I tell people what my degree is in versus what I actually would rather be doing with my time and my career, they're like, how does that even work? You know, you you want to do screenwriting and working in the television and film industry, but you have a finance degree. What is that? What sense does that make? You know, do you want to do finance for these things? Not necessarily, but I can, you know what I mean? And I don't, I don't have an issue in that, with that. And I think that a lot of the time create, a lot of the times creatives take on the the standpoint of I'm going to phone the dream so that's how we're going to roll like you know and that's exactly what you said too um and we definitely have talked about the fun of the dream mentality slash thought process on this uh podcast before and I think a good example for me that I probably haven't used before is like Ava DuVernay she was like I definitely have my job up until this really started to pop you know it was never a situation where it was like okay well I'm done with this yeah. next you know what I mean because she had to be able to fund the films and the things that she was producing so it's like well we got to figure that out you know and I got to eat in the meantime too so I've always admired the person who could double duty it because that's actually you know when you get to learn yourself when you're trying to when you have passion but mm -hmm. you also have responsibilities, <laughs> you know, that you have to find that happy medium because you don't just have to fund a dream. Like you said, you got to eat. I mean, you can't eat McDonald's every day because you're going to have a heart attack on the way to your dream. And that's not very, you know, that's not very helpful. Right. Also, McDonald's, they can hike their prices. If they hike it and make it a $3 menu, what you going to do? That drive through line going to get a lot shorter. Um, but that's why, but that, that's why that food is so inexpensive. But you know me, I'm a chronic jumper, right? And it's, you know, I'm a, you know. Define jumper, define jumper. I am. So Steve Harvey, and, and well before Steve Harvey did it, did this uh, segment. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar one day. I think it was pre-show or post-show. He gave an analogy about when you have a dream, you can't wait for perfect circumstances. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you just have to jump. And the yeah. process of that jump may be very ugly. <laughs> However, most people never start because they're waiting for that comfortable break. And in reality, for, I mean, clearly, I don't know all the people in the world. I would just say that at least 95% of the people, that just doesn't work. For me, 
I am not a person and I've learned it because I've done it three times. <laughs> I've gone to corporate, had these jobs, end up hating it because I'm a person who likes to achieve. I can't go to work and not try to climb the ladder and make more money because I'm a salesperson by nature, right? So I'm always trying to make, if I'm going to be there for eight hours, I want to make the most money in eight hours I could possibly make. And so to split that energy evenly <laughs> between their dream and my dream is not really possible because I don't know how to half commit in one place in order to get to my dream. It's just like, well, I'm here. I need to fund. It's just, I don't know. It's like I get caught up in the, in the, in the mix of it. Mm -hmm. And I up and maybe I, I thought I was going to work two or four hours on my dream when I left work, but now I'm at the after work event networking because I'm trying to make all the money I can make here. So for me, so going back to the theory of jumping, I, I just decided one day that I wasn't going to try to split my attention and whatever it cost me, that's just what I was going to have to pay. But I remember the first time I jumped, I worked for ADP, automatic data processing. And I'd been there for maybe nine years or so. And I didn't like it. I don't, to this day, I worked in, I worked in car dealerships every day, all across Michigan, Illinois, and Georgia. And I couldn't tell you anything about a car. It has four doors, an engine, you put gas in it. That's all I got. <laughs> right? Couldn't tell you. So for nine years to not know a thing about a car, and you worked in car dealerships, is absolutely insane. That's significant. Yeah. <laughs> it's, that's insane. That is absolutely insane. But one day, and I never loved it, but speaking, you know, speaking of like having, when you do have a leadership role leading in a way that people want to follow you, I was thankful to have a soror boss who was really hard on me. Mm -hmm. However, she had, she had done, she had pulled a lot of strings to get me the position and I wanted to do a good job. I didn't necessarily want to be there because I was just going to fund my dream. But I got caught up in not wanting to make her look bad. And so I was trying to do whatever I could do to learn to make sure I always overperformed because she was definitely a chronic overachiever. Yeah, and, and then it's just so it's like you have more loyalty to her than the role. And that was like, because, you know, and when I like a person, I like a person. If I don't like you, I don't like you. But if I like you, I want you to win. Right. I'm in the trenches with you, right? And so that makes me the sacrificial lamb, though. Long story short, one day when I was at the end of my rope and I was just like, I don't want to do this no more. I just can't do this. I switched to a different department. I didn't work for that particular boss anymore. And so mm -hmm. the, it was just, I couldn't do it. And I went in for a one-on-one. -on -one. We had them weekly. And I went from when I worked for the other boss from being number three, the number three salesperson in the country, to moving to a slightly different role and not that much different, a slightly different role. And I was like, when that particular department had 49 people and I was ranked number 47. And oh, wow. so my boss was the one who had, she was so eager to get me on the team. And she said, Rochelle, I mean, it's just like, you don't want to be here. And honest Rochelle looked her dead in her face and was like, I don't. Mm -hmm. and she was she was very confused that I would be sitting in a meeting with her telling her I don't really give a shit about my job sorry <laughs> I'm not laughing at any of it I know you did it just like that and that's why I'm laughing because she was quiet like did she, I'm very sure she was replaying that did she just say she said well what is it I said 
I just never liked the job. It's not the same. Um, and she's, you know, like, well, you've made this money. She's like, bring the mic. She's like really trying to like, I'm clear. She thinks I'm going through a crisis. I'm really just going to fail. <laughs> she's like, you've achieved this and achieved that. And I know you're struggling in this position. And I was like, I ain't struggling. I'm just not really trying. And I, mm-hmm. and I have to be honest about that. Yeah. She got quiet again. She just kept shaking, like looking like, okay, I'm very sure she's having a mental breakdown. I was so clear. I was so peaceful. I had so mm-hmm. much in that moment. I had said it. Like I was kind of shocked when I, those words came on my mouth, to be honest, because I didn't expect myself to say it. To be that real. Like, like <laughs> to be that real for you. It's oh, like you thought it was about to be like Dave Chappelle when keeping it real goes wrong. Like that might be what old girl was thinking, actually, because when keeping it real goes wrong on the Dave Chappelle skin, he's tearing stuff up and knocking stuff over. And he, she was like, "Oh my god, I'm gonna have to call security." Like she had her hand on like the little the little button under her desk, like like this might go left. I don't know. She really don't care no more. She said she gonna carry on. And that day, she said, "Okay, I'm gonna give you 30 days to find another job in the company." And for 30 days, I was sleep at my desk. I took a nap for 30 days. I didn't apply for one job. Now, when I went home, because for that reason, I couldn't I couldn't do my own thing at work. But when I would go home, I was completely rested. I was ready to do it. So going mm-hmm. back. Because you've been session, sleeping. You good to go. Dude, I got a good nap at work. Right. <laughs> so, but going back to Steve Harvey's jump theory, um, it was in that moment that I was like, girl, just start. And so my family business, my mother is a real estate broker and I've been literally tagging along with her since I was two. And though real estate wasn't my desired industry, I knew that it was a place I could go to make money and I wouldn't have structured hours. Mm -hmm. So um, I became licensed in real estate, but this was, of course, like I even waited after 30 days, if I'm being honest, I didn't even start working on it in that time period. But that's when Mm -hmm. I began to separate and be honest with myself and say, number one, if you go there, if, if I think about what I wanted as a child, um, I remember watching a show called Teen Summit on BET and mm-hmm. it, you know, brought up all of these, you know, and it was really like these young folks wrecking these like political conversations and socioeconomic conversations. And they would always highlight corporate America as this place of greed and corruption and discrimination. And so I was, I was like, oh, I never want to do that. And so I think in that moment, it was kind of bringing me back to where, where I started up. I never want, not only do I not want to be here, I never wanted to be here. And I didn't even know what it was when I did decided I didn't want to be here. And here so, as in corporate or here as in that company or just here like here and not being happy. Just being in corporate, being in that structured environment. I don't mm-hmm. like structure. Um, not, not that type of structure. I don't like what I think to be stupid rules. I don't like if I want to start locking my hair, I don't want to have to put on a wig or something to go to an interview. If I decide to dye my hair blonde, which I did often, and sometimes it didn't quite turn out right. It might've turned out crayon yellow or white. <laughs> I don't need you telling me I need to redye my hair because it, because you're pulling out a grid of the colors of blonde that are respectable. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> right. It's my hair. It's my hair. Believe me, I'm having a crisis by myself. It has nothing to do with your, your corporate rules. But I just never wanted to be in that environment. 
I'm not a go along to get along person. And there's a lot of things, especially as a black woman in corporate, that you have to bite your tongue. I, girl, the stories I could tell you being in a boardroom, being number three salesperson in the country. And when it's time to give my sales presentation, I give it. And the first question they asked me was, okay, Rochelle, we're going to ask you, okay, we got a question for you. I'm, mind you, I'm the only woman and the only black person in this boardroom. Mm-hmm. And these are my been my teammates for about five years. My and um, this was it was it was still under my sore boss, but they had divided the roles between sales and operations. So here enters a new boss, who I'm whom I loved. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the guys asked me not about how I was able to become number three in the territory that had been completely they all raked through it, and I was closing accounts that they couldn't close. They didn't ask me those questions. They asked me, how did you, how do you, who do I contact? Like, how do you meet people to buy a bridge card so I can get half off my groceries? And is it true that people in Detroit, like when they're still in, when they're still in electricity, that they run cable cords from house to house? Anybody got time for that, Brie? Nobody has time for that. Wait, I promise you, I don't know how you weren't escorted out on that day. Like in my mind, I'm trying to play this out in a different way, and I'm I'm struggling. Honestly, you know, you always say what you would do if if this situation happened. I was so shocked. Now I've had, I've been hearing stories all my life, but when it's you and you're in the scenario, sometimes the depth of the petty racism whatever put whatever label you want to put on it sometimes we're in the depth of it it still feels so surreal like did did he just ask me did he just ask me how they scam on some food thing i said so i don't even what is a bridge card and i've never lived in the city of detroit but i'm sure they're fine people like <laughs> what are we doing so it wasn't hard to jump because I had those experiences behind me. Mm-hmm. And I also knew that although I still didn't know what I wanted to do in order to actually figure it out, I may have to just jump. Yeah. Cause I feel like sometimes uh, I definitely have not dealt with it like that, but I have had my shares of, they, I really wish I could have like let the record scratch moments so that I could just be like, you know what? X, Y, Z, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Okay, I wanted to let it, I wanted to go down and let it rip. And I think that that's something that um, is certainly a person of color, specifically Black, specifically Black women, definitely, because I feel like we get put at the, the lower end of that totem pole for whatever reason, but, we're, but we produce more. Yeah. We still get reduced in these different roles do you feel like like the countless like microaggressions of that plus not liking it in the first place like you felt like you had to perform in this area because i've got the degree or i can't let my sore down or i can't let you know you know to the point where it's like it was all to your detriment in that role because it came to a point where it's like okay now you're moving around and I'm out. I'm out. I'm done with it because it's like if it's not in this specific climate, and obviously you're not a person, as you already said on the podcast, you like to kind of continue to go from goal to goal and continue to move up. So it's like, okay, eventually, like this is the right climate for me to succeed here. But if I'm not in this direct temperature, 
with these certain factors at play, I'm not going to perform. And but I but me being me, I'm gonna get the promotions. I'm gonna go up, but I can't I can't meet you up because this is not it for me. Do you feel like those um microaggressions and all these different things and just like feeling like it was like to an extent some neglect for self in that process to climbing upward. Do you feel like all of that contributed to, you know, you like it's like, all right, well, I'm gonna exit, I'm gonna get this smooth. I don't I ain't in your business, but usually they do a severance if they fire you or actually let you go, depending on why. You know, I'm gonna collect that, I'm gonna figure this out somewhere in the meantime and figure out a um thing and you know, figure out another game plan. But did you ever have any fear that um well, I mean, I guess if you jump, you can't really have very much fear after that. It's like, okay, well, jump. We're going to figure out. We're going to sink or swim. But when I feel like for me, a part that can be and has been scary in that process of knowing, like, what is not going to work and what I'm not about to do in that process, when I go to, okay, let's explore. When we're in that ex- exploration phase of figuring out, okay, where do I actually fit? How can I actually fit and support myself in the long run or in my goals and all these different things? Did you ever have any type of fear like I'm going to be back in that same place mentally, even in this creative realm? You know what I mean? Like, I, it's like, OK, if I'm not in a certain climate in this entrepreneurial walk, I may end up just falling from three to 47 again you know what I mean like in that mental did that did that come into play at all um no I was a bit naive about the jump right mm-hmm. so I, I think sometimes that's to your to your benefit <laughs> yeah um I, I became highly aware in the process you know when he's going back to his description he said that you know when when you fall it's not a straight fall down yeah <laughs> I think one of his specific quotes was you gonna tear your back up you're mm-hmm. going to fall on some rocks and some limbs and some trees. Now, mm-hmm. I didn't hear that theory before I jumped. This was years before he came out with the jump theory. Now, had I heard it, I probably would have expected that I might have a couple of hiccups in this plan. Right. Because I was going to say, did you just hear him say, you're going to jump? And then, like, PV off. Got it. Say less, Steve. Like, okay, I might not pay a couple bills or I might get a knock on my credit. Because at the time, I had a 750 credit score. I was trending to an eight. I was doing good. I was... I wasn't 30 years old yet, mm-hmm. so, or, or either that or I was just turning 30. I was somewhere between the ages of 27 and 30. Mm-hmm. By the time I finally was just like, uh, look, this ain't going to work. But what I did know, but I knew that for me, even though I didn't know what it, what it would cost, I knew that whatever the cost was, it would be worth me figuring out what I wanted because I knew I've always had a deep desire to serve people, but that's really ambiguous. And then I also had a deep desire to, you know, and it wasn't always health. Health wasn't always, but when I was going, originally I wanted to be a chiropractor when I was in high school. So I knew, so I kind of had these segments of ideas, but when I left, my thought was I was going to be a business consultant and I was going to consult and use my corporate experience and consult for smaller businesses, small black businesses specifically, um, because a lot of the time, a lot of them fail because they lack the proper structure. 
or they they like and I knew that based on the number of you know businesses I saw fail in my corporate career. Mm-hmm. That still wasn't it, but it was worth me exploring because I wasn't gonna sit in another boardroom and somebody asked me about some food stamps and I don't even you know and everybody need help. There's no knock against. Um, getting help, but that is not an appropriate question in a boardroom when we're talking about sales, like sales performance. It's not. I agree. It's not an appropriate conversation. And I want to go back to when you said something, when you were talking about discussing costs. To me, this is my interpretation. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm always out here trying to find a silver lining in like an <laughs> overarching, like cute quote in my mind, right? So when you said when you brought up costs, it seemed that whatever the cost was of leaving that role and leaving that kind of comfortability that came with that role inevitably, right? So the financial and all the, you know, the promotion, the, you know, professional security and all of those different things and the accolades that come with being number three in the country, because that's nothing to blink at or sneeze at, you know? So it's like, it, to me, it sounds like it may cost, it may cost me, but whatever this cost is, is not going to be as great as the cost of losing myself in this. Exactly. It's the greatest. It's like, cause like losing myself and all of this, that's too high of a cost. That would have been the, more, that's more. That is the biggest tragedy. And it's the one that would have, my my one but the so my so one of my so I ended up having two bosses one was a black woman she was the only one and I was the only black woman hired for many many years so the so being the second one was like this magnifying glass and she was always looking at me like you better not mess up I have mm-hmm. had to make excuses in many boardrooms and nobody in the room knew what the hell we were talking about but I have had to stand up and spit excuses okay mm-hmm. like <laughs> she was not playing and so she got the balance of having this other guy and everybody loved him. I'm trying not to call anybody by name. Yeah. But, um, you can come up with fake names if you want. Let's call him Jacob. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, he said to me one day, and and the complete. So this is Nancy, who is the soror boss, and mm-hmm. Nancy is telling me all of the hoops she's had to jump through. How she's never literally, she's literally, and I believe it based on working with her. She had literally never made a mistake. Mm-hmm. do you know how many hours she was a literal is a literal size zero works out every day and had a massive heart attack and heart disease does not run in her family mm-hmm. so this is what she's going through to achieve what she had and so <laughs> so whatever beep, can we like go beep, beep. it's jacob it's jacob <laughs> jacob so I would always invite Jacob once a quarter to come travel with me um, because we had to do it anyway. So I would just invite him. I'm like, let's just get it out the way. But he was also super cool. So he would tell me of how he climbed the corporate ladder and their stories were so different. Mm-hmm. Literally with somebody who came to work, he was consistent. He was reliable. He wasn't like, he wasn't like, a, he was, he said he was decent at what he did. But at the end of the day, he was consistent and he had a personality that people liked. And so they were like, we need you to be this high level position. And he's like, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. I just make my money, go home and go to my wife and my kid. Mm-hmm. We need you. So in her case, she's having to kick, scratch, scream, be perfect. And he just basically gets landed in his lap. 
Right. And he still doesn't know what's going on with it. Like he still doesn't, he doesn't even want it, right? But this is something that somebody would give blood, sweat, tears, and literally almost put her life on the line to do it and to do it and have the respect while doing it. And yet you you give it to someone who you just like, oh, this is a good person to go out with. And I feel like sometimes that those corporate politics can really start to wear down on a person to the point where it's like, I don't even care no more. I just want out of this. I don't want to be a part of this journey. I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be Nancy. I didn't want to be Nancy. And I knew I was going to have to be Nancy in order to get to a position like hers. And meanwhile, Jacob is going out on the 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 vice president's uh, boat. They're snorting cocaine and smoking. And he's telling me this. And, and this is, well, you know, when you, you let your hair down, you let your hair down. Smoking weed and all kinds of we stuff. We don't get that. As a black person, period, in America, we don't get that let the hair down option. But specifically in a corporate setting, we barely get, we can't even be decent or normal. We have to be exceptional. To exactly. get treated like we're decent and normal. And then we don't get to let the hair down option. Because like as soon as you said that, I was like, one time I went on the cocktail hour before. And I was out here shook. Because I didn't, I was like, oh, I don't want anybody to get too familiar with me. Seriously. Uh, you know, too familiar. Because then somebody's like, oh, I remember when you you like your wine. Or you like, you, you like a, a margarita. Or you like whatever your drink of choice. And I don't want you that kind. I don't want you that familiar with me. I I had even had experiences where it wasn't necessarily me, but I saw other coworkers where they literally only mentioned like liking like just you know like a, a I don't know I'm gonna say Mike's Hard Lemonade. That wasn't what it was, but Mike's Hard Lemonade or something, right? So every time this one coworker saw her or him, saw them. <laughs> It was a her, okay? Every time somebody <laughs> saw her, they were like, that, that's fine, that's very general. Every time this person saw her, they were like, hey, gonna get us another Mars Howard lemonade after work. And it's like, no, I'm not. Like, or if I do, that's not, it's not gonna be us doing that. I, I don't want you that familiar with me. So I feel like, to me, it's just like, it's so much privilege in you even saying that this person had the opportunity to let their hair down and let their hair down meant snorting cocaine. That's crazy. What? Absolutely not. <laughs> I mean, if that's, your, if that's your thing, that's whatever. I'm not sitting here judging. But yeah. I'm like, for me, thinking about being, like, being kind of, like, nervous to drink a cocktail in front of someone from work, let alone let your hair down all the way down. All the way down. <laughs> Think of, but not just with your your peer coworkers, right? With the vice president on his boat. Now I don't know who was doing what. You know, maybe everybody wasn't doing everything. But what I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt is that I, I was never going to work that hard to achieve that level of position. And and because that's not you. No, it's not. It's not, I don't have the, I don't even have the ability to play that game. And so knowing that and knowing that I was, knowing I was going to completely disappear, disappoint my parents who love to boast about the job I got straight out of college. I, before I, before they even fully gave me orientation, I had a company car and American Express and a company laptop, you know, and it just seemed so like luxurious, right? Like mm -hmm. I was always traveling and 
I know I could not sustain that because I didn't know what I truly wanted to do. Life had to teach me. Life gave, you know, I just rolled with each life lesson. But what I did know is that I did not, beyond a shadow of a doubt, want to be in this position in this place because I don't have a problem telling anybody we're gonna put CeeLo Green that F you song <laughs> yeah I don't have that at all but I think that that's also very good because it's like it feels like it's different moments in our lives especially as creatives but as professionals you kind of just have to stop and be like hold up this is not this is not it this is not me this is not how I'm going to thrive in this different, um, in this setting. And I, and I commend you on not only saying, having your like, hold up moment, but also acting on it and just being like, you know what? My parents, they're going to have to be all right. This is my life. I, I mean, I have made them proud. I'm sure I'm, I have also disappointed. Inevitably, if you've grown up, you've disappointed your parent at one point, you, you made them proud at some point. They'll be all right. They'll be okay. So that was rough because I had I had a stellar record. You know, I, my parents had two good children. Well, mm-hmm. my, my, we have two older brothers, but my mother, we literally, we didn't get it. We did literally short of doing chores, which, I, you know, that part. But as far as like hitting the marks, we were always in a newspaper or getting mm-hmm. a rule for something from K through 12. Mm-hmm. Any worries in that area? So for me, it was a huge thing because it was for the first time I knew that they would, I don't even understand it to explain how mom and daddy, I know that I'll make six figures and I pretty much walked out of college making it and I do really good for myself and I'm about to buy my first house. But after I close on this house, I'm going to quit my damn job. How does that sound? <laughs> I get that too. But I think that that's why your story and your journey has been so beautiful to watch and even understand because despite all of those different themes, it's like I feel like black people accomplish despite, but like to see you as a black woman accomplishing despite that because there's so many different pressures and just like what you said about like Nancy she had all these different stressors on her and then that foundation crumbled literally like her health everything that that crumbled out of no you know out of not out of nowhere but out of nowhere you know and I think that being able to say like you know like it's an immense amount of pressure that black people get put on them every day and then if you're in a corporate environment at 10 more, you know, <laughs> whatever measures of pressure. And then we keep moving on towards that. And I think that the beauty of your story is that you're like, okay, well, I'm going to move on and choose myself despite everything around me telling me that I probably should not do that. Or um, I probably should stay here and just be unhappy and just keep my head down and do my job and do whatever I'm supposed to do by whoever's standards, you know, but not by yours, you know? And so that's why I really appreciate you and your story. And I love that it's a lot, it's a whole bunch of different moving pieces that have evolved to get you to this point. So you have mad, mad, mad resumes. I think that all those combinations, so we got, I forgot author. Okay. We definitely forgot to, we forgot that as well. And so I just think that 
you're so multifaceted. What has been like, and I know all these different things kind of culminate and, and have brought you to this space, but what has been your favorite mode slash method of creativity or entrepreneurship? Um, do you, do you mean like, as far as like how, how I actually decide what I'm going to do or well, how about that? Well, Give me a little bit more. So I feel like, so which is like your favorite outlet? So do you uh, like which creative or well not, which career life did you like enjoy the most? So uh, we know it's probably not going to be corporate, but we have corporate, we got the real estate, we've got the health and wellness journey of things as well and we got author we got all these different things that kind of culminate how do you feel I think for me it has been more of I've kind of I've grown into a wellness coach and you know me I always want to go get certified so I'm working on those certifications Mm -hmm. because I do like to have methodologies to to actually help other people but the underbelly for me of all of the transitions has been that I began to work on my own wellness because mm-hmm. I had a bit, even in the process, I had a very poor self image. Um, mm-hmm. I was having a lot of issues in my body. And so what ended up happening in that process, the more and more stressed I became from the jump, because let's be clear, I lost everything, you know, mm-hmm. um, I lost my house. Um, thankfully one of my friends called me on the same day that the repo guy was in my driveway and made a payment for me. And it happens, I was going to lose my car <laughs> on the, on the last payment I had one oh, more no. to make. So that would have been a terrible, tragic story, but, but, I, yeah. but I had to find something. And so I couldn't control, I felt so out of control trying to figure it out. The method I like the best is coaching because as I began to work on my own health and wellness, I learned that other people would ask me questions because they were struggling with some of the same things that I struggle with, but they didn't have the time to research and look up things or even just kind of work through certain things and understand what the, where the root of some of their issues were coming from. And so my favorite method is the phase I'm in now in coaching and wellness and connecting mind gut um, issues and helping people understand that a lot of, our anxieties and depressions and a lot of things that we go through as we're going through this point of achievement happen because we have an unhealthy gut. So um, it has come. I was, so I would have to say my favorite mode would be my coaching position. Yes. I think that that's beautiful. Where you are now should always be your favorite. You know what I mean? Cause it's like, it's, it, you have to enjoy the journey and the ride as you, move on to new heights and everything so I think that now what is what I'm getting from the conversation is that you know you in a season where you can actually one you like the the field that you're in and then you can actually take the time necessary to smell the flowers along the journey at this point and you actually want to you're interested in the flowers that pop up on this journey so it's like I actually want to be here (laughs) <laughs> so you know you what as it happened I didn't even know existed until I decided to to kind of to go on the journey but uh it, it makes me think of a story like so before I before I left corporate and this was actually pretty early in my career I I, I said that I didn't know what I wanted to do but I, I I almost had a clue 
And I don't know how I decided consulting when I left corporate, but part of that journey um, was uncovered when I was on my, probably about my third, um, my third uh, work trip going out, out of state. I was dreaming. I was in bed and I was dreaming that I, I had this group of little girls marching along, like in back of me, like I was some type of leader and some type of organization. And it was all these little girls behind me. And we were chanting and shouting, but the dream was on mute. So all I could see was our action and our intensity. And, um, you know, I remember one little girl came up and cried and gave me the biggest hug. And, you know, but it was crazy to have a mute dream and not really know what was happening. Mm-hmm. But moving forward, I realized that that was actually the goal. <laughs> and that's not, I know it might sound crazy that a mute dream turned into the goal. I really believe that. I was able to understand that dream once I jumped because when I was falling, when you start, and I, I call it failing, and I don't think failure is a bad thing. So let's say that when I started right. to realizing this was probably not the best thing to do um, without having some type of plan, even if you just jump, you still got to have a plan. Mm-hmm. I realized that the reason why I gravitated to wellness is because it highlighted my mental illness, my physical illnesses, and I had a chance to actually focus on those. Number one, recognize them. Mm-hmm. And number two, come up with a plan of action to work on them. And so what I came to realize, and I had a second dream about 10 years later, and it was part of that dream mixed with this dream. And it's kind of how I got to where I am today, realizing mm-hmm. that, girlfriend, you are never going back into corporate America because that is literally not your calling. Mm-hmm. The reason it doesn't ever resonate with you is because I don't want you there. <laughs> so you thought it was your idea for you not to be there. Yeah. It's, yeah. A, yeah it's actually has nothing to do with your purpose. So thank you for getting on out of there. It was like we took a nine year detour, but thank you for coming on out of there so that we can get where we're trying to go. Uh, have you ever seen Mean Girls real quick? Have you seen that? No. Oh, I know you. I doggone it. I just, I be trying. Okay, but it's it's something on there where a girl kept trying to say fit as like a catchphrase. And then like the girl, like she kept saying it and nobody was saying it. And she was like, stop trying to make fetch happen, Gretchen. Okay, so that's like kind of what, what it's like, it's like what was said to you. It's like, stop trying to make corporate happen, Shelly. It's not. It's no. not. Please stop. It's not, and it's always going to end badly. And every single time, it it got worse. The three times I did it, two or three times, it's like, this was like the warning shot, and they got progressively worse to the point where I literally, when I finished my last corporate job, I had no hair. None. My hair just fell out. <laughs> I was traumatized. See, but then it's like your body has that negative reaction to you continuously pushing it. And like, what if and I'm sure Nancy is happy in her own right, right? But what if Nancy had actually just stopped saying, like, you know what? I am going to stop trying to make corporate happen because there's so much weight and plight that I take on every day when I get up because I can't mess up. You know how nobody's perfect. You're going to mess up. It's okay to, but, like, for her to feel that way and feel like she couldn't, you know, and I don't know her personally, but for her to feel like that, that's an immense amount of pressure. Right. So it's like and then you get to these new heights. And I think you always want to hold the door open for someone else that looks like you to be able to come through. Yeah. 
but it's like you neglect yourself in that process and takes on you is is um and i'm not gonna say it's not worth it to help people but honestly sometimes it's not worth it but also if you're teaching me how to come into it and do the same thing you did meaning take on all of that that's not worth it that's actually not teaching me the right way and it's no offense it's just like I I went I don't like most people if I went through something that was un that was unsatisfactory to me I don't want to turn around and do that to somebody else I want to yeah. show somebody else another way to do it or I want to make sure that I, I already caught these blows so I want to catch these blows so you don't have to catch these blows it's like I'm not a parent but I'm an auntie I wouldn't want my nephews to deal with you know, or my little cousins to deal with anything crazy that I had to deal with, whether it was like going into a PWI as a college, right? Because that's, I have cousins that are getting ready to graduate from high school. I would love, you know, if they, I'm here for them as a resource so that they don't hit their head on the same type of walls that I had to. And it wasn't a whole bunch. It wasn't horrible. But the thing is, you have to adjust to being it from your high school that probably has more people that look like you than not into or maybe it doesn't you know but just transitioning and being an adult in that type of environment is a lot so I it's things that I would want to protect them from right so it's like so teaching me to come in just like you did and you over here got the weight of the world on your chest and back and you know everywhere else it's not helpful to me because I'm thinking and even like you to an extent you didn't want to make her look bad yeah so you on that same type of baggage, it's legitimately like Erica Badu, a bag lady. You're gonna hurt your back, okay? <laughs> and and in the meantime, you just lose yourself, right? Because mm-hmm. it, what it does is it teaches you how to numb yourself to the point that you don't recognize when you get like for me, I get sensations in my gut, just like in those gut reactions, those mm-hmm. gut feelings. When you do that for so long. You, it's hard to do that mirror check to see. And I would go at night, I would literally look at my mirror and, and see if I, if I was okay. I would do like, hey, Shell, are you okay after today? It was a rough day. But after a while, you can't even do that because you don't even know what your true feelings are because you're just, you become a robot. It's like, check these boxes, do these things because I have to. And if, if because it doesn't just affect me, it affects her. And she's been mm-hmm. here for 25 years and I can't come right. in here and put a stand on this woman's 25 years spotless record. Right. And the thing is, it's just kind of like, it, and I've said that the way that I felt in my corporate experience was I felt like they wanted me to come and not be a person. I couldn't be too this because then I'm this stereotype of a black woman. I can't be too this because then I'm this stereotype already coming in being the younger member of the team anyway I can't do this because then I'm aggressive I can't do this because then I'm mad I can't I can't be anything then when I don't react I don't have a personality and I'm unagreeable so it's like so what do you want me to be a robot in this environment so it was really difficult to figure out that balance and to figure out that you know maybe I wasn't the human that could make this balance make this equation balance after all and that was okay and it's hard though because now it's like I got skin in the game I got an apartment and whether or not I give a crap about this job or whether or not I like this job or not I still got to pay them money so I was like oh I got I got all these different responsibilities and it's not anybody that's going to necessarily have you know help me out of these different things. Rent is my responsibility. My car knows my responsibility. These are different things that are 
for me that I must take care of. So it's like that kind of mentality is very difficult uh, to kind of like forge through. So I know for myself, what I did was I did the double time method where it's like, okay, I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. When I go home, I'm going to do this. I'm going to write. When I, I'm going to do this and I'm not going to give y'all much else. And then I'm going to go and do this. You know what I'm saying? And right now um, I recently had a, a, a episode where I was talking about learning how to heal from the uh, workplace trauma, right? Realizing that you even have any, because that is very traumatic to be in that type of situation and you not have the type, the proper help, right? Or you have it in, on paper, it's that type of help. Yeah. But in practice, it's the, it, like, because they have resource groups. They have them. Don't the use them. Yeah, don't but, use don't, them. but don't get comfortable <laughs> using them if you use them. Or, like, they got HR, right? But the HR is not there for necessarily for me to really give out these grievances and things actually change because of them. Because, remember, they're on their boat, right? They're on their boat partying with their hair down. So, also, they got the stakes of, he didn't see me with my hair all the way out. He didn't see me with the wig off, okay? Like, forget the hair being down. The wig's off. We out here having a great time on this boat, right? So he, first of all, you know how I act when I'm not at work and when I'm at work. And also, you know that, okay, I might, you know, give in to a little favoritism and nepotism and da 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 you, you know too much of my secrets. Mm-hmm. So I, I got to keep you here, but I also like you too. You're one of the... One of the guys or one of the one Wait, of the teams. That's the definition of the good old boys, right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's just the whole thing, and that that whole those politics come through, and it is just kind of like, okay, this is rough to get through. And so I think that you know how people, it's like because either you're gonna go ahead and just jump, and like, or you're gonna try to work through it. But then also, there's still a giving point. Even if you're working through it, it's like, okay, it's got to, it's got to give. And now I'm in a, in a position, thankfully I'm not, I don't feel like that anymore in my work environment, but it's, it's difficult to just kind of like walk off of that mentality. Cause it's tough because it's like, it's not everywhere. That's yeah. not everywhere. And it's like, but you still carry some of that residual trauma when you move on and you go into other things. Once you experience a trauma, whether it's sexual trauma, work trauma, a, act, a physical treatment, a car accident, trauma has to be dealt with. Right. Because it stays with us. That's where our anxieties come from. That's why we have all these ailments. That's why that trauma turns into physical illness. Mm-hmm. And so for me, on top of all of the, my childhood trauma, I now carry this work trauma because you're always on and it is not natural to be always in performance mode and to never be able to take a breath because if you're in a conference and, or, or, or you know, a meeting and you go out, there's always that one person who follows on and wants to have a conversation and you're just like, I just really wanted to come out and take a breath. Susie, honey, no, not today, but I got to talk to Susie now. So mm-hmm. And I have to be, and I have to still be kind. I have to have that. So I don't, but so now it's like, it's at the expense of me needing that moment. I have to now provide some type of level of comfort to have this conversation for Susie, but not for me, because I can't even be my full self in this conversation with Susie, because there's always that thing in the back of your head. that's like, this is going to get flipped on me. If something, you know, you say the wrong thing or don't do the right thing. 
because you're human and Susie keeps saying, oh my God, you're so strong. And you want to be like, shut the up, Susie. Do you think I'm this strong because I want to be this strong? And that's not a compliment. I love that we're not no longer taking that necessarily as a compliment. That's not a compliment. (laughs) It just means I'm just sitting here continuing to weather trauma. So it's like, this is not, that's not necessarily strong. That's, it's not a compliment. And I think the real, the real compliment is you can be somewhere safe enough for me to not have to be strong I feel like that's the actual flex not being strong but being somewhere where you're safe enough to not have to be um so in your quest to choose something that feels right for you uh it seems that like outside looking in I'm not gonna say what I think what has been your driving force uh, and as you continue to move on, so you, we've kind of talked about it already as you kind of developed into this uh, new role, but what has been your driving force? Like we have the dream, all these different things, like how are you making sense of all of those different things to get to you, to get you to this point? For me, driving force is, oh Lord, I keep hitting um. I keep I keep grabbing my mouse trying to move the <laughs> move the screen and I'm not on it. But <laughs> for me the driving force is every day being true to myself. And I realize the more self-care and the more self-development that I engage in on a daily basis, the more my spirit tells me where to go. What mm-hmm. to do who to go talk to, what random stranger that's, you know, it's just self-care and, and, and really working on building what was once a poor self-image has been the key to actualizing my path. And I don't know if that's going to be everybody's story, but for me it is because when I'm in that authentic, confident place, Sometimes I have conversations with people sometimes and I just think it's a basic conversation and people have broken out crying and stuff. And I'm like, sis, I just, you know, you know, I'm just speaking, literally speaking my heart, my gut. I'm just telling you, like, I may not even know where it came from, but I'm only able to do that when I am constantly I'm right now. I'm in a self-development course. Um, Lisa Nichols, it's a, 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 a program called Elevate. The more I st- I work on developing myself and my spirit, mentally, spiritually, financially, health, wellness, all of that, the stronger the incline, the, the stronger the the pull I have towards the path. I've been trying to get this colonic building off the ground. I've been through so many failed expe- inspections, but I don't feel defeated. I don't feel like it's never going to happen because. When I couldn't make it happen, another clinic who was is a will be a direct competitor was like, we love you and we love your spirit and we love the conversations you have with us. So until you get your clinic off the ground, do you mind coming and, and subbing in for us? Because, hey, we'll take it as long as we can have it. Mm-hmm. You know, pe- your competitors don't do that. I ain't mm-hmm. in there my, my plans and how I plan on building. But I think that just working on being authentic and your true self and constantly developing so that I can be self-aware 
um, has been like my superpower. I think that that's amazing, especially because you went through periods in your life where you were not even checking, barely checking in with stuff, let alone being self-aware. Yeah. So I think that that's beautiful now that you're just like, okay, we're taking leave. Listen. And, and this is where this is where you were ultimately always supposed to be. Like low-key in my head, I'm thinking like, maybe you were the little girl you were hugging that was crying in the dream. So that was the story, Brie. So, <laughs> but what has come up, and I'm about to, Lord, I done got 40 and emotional, but that dream was actually God calling down to me and each of those. And I used to remember how many little girls were behind me, but one of those girls was molested and one of those girls had been raped. And one of those girls had been told she's stupid. And one of those girls had been told she talked too much. And one, you know, and it was like all of these things. Um, one of these girls had been beaten, you know, like there was all these girls. And so that ten, 10 years later, it was the revelation. So I had that dream and it was still silent, but there was like labels or t-shirts like on those girls. And it was the pieces of me that were broken and needed attention, needed to be healed. And I was, I had, I had started on a journey, like, because when you start getting on that self-development thing, because at some point, you know, most women in the world, like, I want to lose weight. I want to do this. And so it what mm -hmm. started as a, I want to be thinner so I can have a better self perception became, I want to start working on the broken pieces in my heart because my heart has been shattered and it does not work properly. And I cannot commit to a thing because I cannot trust the thing. And I even when the right things come across my path, I can't recognize it. Right people, right opportunities. I can't see it because I'm, I'm just too broken. Mm -hmm. So that, that was that, that 10 year revelation, 10 years later. Now, by the way, when I first got that dream, I started a nonprofit and it was called Pretty Healthy and Tenacious Girls Empowered because, of course, I'm supposed to go out and go find these girls that need help. I had identified a market, some schools and all of that. But I was the little girl. That right. 35 that year old woman was the little girl, all of those little girls. I was the head of the line and I was the pieces of the line. And it was like, yeah. You have you, ma'am, you at the head of the line are responsible for healing all of these little girls behind you. Because that's wow. yes. That was deep. That's deep. And then to even remember it ten years later, let alone like well, now 15 years later. But that was that's one of those pivotal moments. I have never, well, I've only had two dreams in my life that I have, A, remembered that vividly. Because I'm not a person who gives up my journey about this. I, half the time I wake up, I don't remember. But I remember when I was 25, laying in that hotel room, I remember dreaming it. And I, I remember feeling this heavy, intense feeling. And I was trying to wake up. At least I felt like I was trying to wake up. And it was almost like somebody was holding me down like, nope. <laughs> All right, you're going to get this dream. <laughs> and then... I embraced it. I, I knew when I was 35 exactly what it was. It was like it picked up where it left off. And I didn't want to get up at that point. I just wanted to sit back 
and kind of watch it unfold. And when the T, and I don't remember, now the part I don't remember was, is whether it was words above their head or there were T-shirts, but when, when the words on the I could were revealed, I was like, oh my God. This whole time I've been looking to heal other people, which I do. I've been looking to, to seek validation in other people, which sometimes as humans we do. But that wasn't the point. The point was, in order for you to get to this goal, in order for you to march towards your dream, in order for you to enter through those doors that I need you to open, go through, you, man, have to do the work. So I don't remember ever having another dream that I, I, I remember that vividly or... Um, or even at all, but those two dreams were, it was the beginning and it was the confirmation. And so I just, I can't look back anymore because after you, after that type of, of revelation has been revealed to you, the only fire in my, in my belly right now is to keep pushing towards it because every single time I remember, um, Maybe this was about three months ago. And I was like, man, like, I've been trying to open up this dang on Clint. Like, I'm just so, like, I'm, I'm still moving. But I'm like, why is this so hard? And I'm like, is this even my path anymore? Mm -hmm. And my phone rang literally like seven seconds later. And I answer. And it's the sister of the owner of the clinic who originally trained me as a hydrocolon therapist. I've never met this woman. I don't, I don't even, I didn't ask her in that call. She had, she got my phone number, but she said, I was just calling. I was going through my brother's contacts. Um, honestly, I don't even remember her name if I'm being really honest. Oh lady, I hope you're not listening. But, <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't remember her name. If you're listening, she's concealing your name for uh, the Don't conceal that too. Um, yeah. Because I was, I was, I was so floored. It was because you get this call and you're like, yeah, this is so-and-so sister. And I'm looking for somebody, you know, that used to work for my brother that I can refer my clients to because I don't have anybody when my clients want colonics. I don't know where, I don't have a place I feel comfortable sending them. So I decided to call you and I, but stuff like that didn't happen before. I felt so lost. And so I was grabbing at straws and starting businesses and stopping businesses or not, you know, whatever, wherever I was in the process, because it was like, okay, is it this? Is it that? Is it this? I don't ask those questions anymore. I, I do ask, Lord, when is this, you know, am I, am I doing the right things to get to that thing? Mm -hmm. But is this it is not a question for me anymore. Oh my God, you're gonna make me cry, Shelly. That's so beautiful. Like I'm just really happy that you get that you've gotten to that place because I know it hasn't like again, like we we we're saying like you gotta heal these different parts and all that stuff, but that's such a that can be a painful process to even heal those different parts, to even have that realization. And it's like, okay, we got the realization. Right, let's heal I'm healed. And it's like, no, you gotta actually go back into that point, go back into this place and in that space and really deal with all the different pieces. You said you had been shattered. Shattering something that's been shattered is a whole bunch of little pieces. And then it's like when you get most of them together, it's still like one little hole and then you gotta figure out where that's when you touch those little pieces, Bree, they still cut you. That's what I'm saying. They cut you, and then it's like, okay, then you get most of them together. You like, oh. 
and then you realize like you missing like two chunks out of nowhere and you're like I don't know these been rolled under the bed they didn't went into somebody's shoe you know you got all these different pieces they're everywhere it's a whole bunch of disarray and shattering right but sometimes you got to shatter to uh and, and put it back together to really understand the makeup of yeah. the item that was broken in the first place right so it's like not to be corny. I need to shatter them. Realize how I can get myself together. No, not like that. But I'm just saying, like you have sometimes you don't appreciate it together until you see it apart and you understand the gravity of how much something that's been all over the place and displaced. Once it's like once it's finally placed, it, it's a different type of connection. It's a different type of connectivity. Now it's like, okay, now it's going to, when it's together, I appreciate it together. And I'm going to work to make sure it stays together. Mm-hmm. Um, we both have traveled uh, abroad to Africa. I felt like that when I went there. Very displaced being in, a, in America, right? When you go all the way back to <laughs> Africa and you feel some type of sense of like, Okay, I just got a piece of my little shatter. My little shatter. Okay, great. Well, yes, in the that, that was that was yet another pivotal moment. Not because it happened like that. Um, mm-hmm. I did feel I felt like the answers were there though. Mm-hmm. Answers I couldn't get back home. Cause you remember so, my- answers are in Africa. She went on a trip to you went on a trip to Africa because I was gonna ask you, I was gonna say now how we go from corporate to now we're talking Kalani's. What? What happened? How? How we get here? Honestly, um, the, the story fits very well in there. Now, how do you have to go to... Now, I've, I've been getting Kalani's, you know, for a really long time when people are, I can't believe you do that stuff. That's so nasty. That's always been a part of my family life, right? Mm-hmm. But, and how do you go to Africa in the midst of your fall, right? Because I ain't had no money. So, so... <laughs> This is this is how God works when you have when there are lessons that you have to learn. He will make ways. He uses people. One of my friends literally just bought two plane tickets to go to South Africa. I was like, "You want to go?" Because I just didn't want to go by myself. I love. By the way, I love this friend. So if you're listening, friend, I love you too. And I said, "I'm like, girl, like I live with my auntie. I've lost him, you know, because we hadn't talked in a while. I was like, well, let me catch you up." My car barely works. I've lost my house. I have $7 in the bank. So I'm giving her this rundown of why I can't go to Africa. She said, I didn't ask you about money. I asked if you wanted to go. I said, okay. A friend. A friend. (laughs) She was stressed out. Clearly, she knew I was stressed out. She said, let's go to the motherland. South Africa is on my list. It was not on my list, for the record. I want Ghana was going to be my first place to visit. Um, but, of course, when someone gives you a ticket to South Africa and they are, you know y'all, that's your girl, girl, and you know y'all got a good vibe and you're going to have fun, you get on a dang on plane. Mm-hmm. South Africa was a whole tragedy and blessing. Got robbed twice on the first day got 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 stalked um didn't have cell phones i mean girl i did not think the fall was gonna continue when i stepped foot in the motherland i thought that was was supposed to pause because you're having a trip of a lifetime because why wouldn't it because you know this is supposed to be the moment of you know none of that no no i kept falling God was like, oh, no, 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 you don't get to know. This is real life. This is life. You're going to keep falling, but let me show you how this is going to work out. 
So, but you have to keep falling because you won't get like it's like imagine like the answers on the bottom step, but you stop midway, you stop midway down the steps and go back up and go back to the safe space steps up, you'll never get to that bottom step. Now, this is not, you know, this is not like glamorizing it, but it's like, you know, his answer for you was legitimately like you have to keep going even there. Falling. I literally, not only was I falling, I was falling in a land where I didn't even know the languages, right? So I'm falling. And, and they know you don't, because it's like, because you can look, it's like, she got the look. She ain't said nothing to us. In the way in in any of our native languages, we got a whole bunch of them. She ain't said nothing in none of them but English. Got it. We know she don't know what she's talking about. You exactly. can't even walk and look like you don't know. Like when somebody is not from where you're from, you can look at them and be like, they're not from here. Exactly. Target. There was a target. Hence getting getting robbed twice on the first day, right? Like who gets robbed two the first on your first as soon as you step off the dang on plane? Like Jesus, but I try to give you. I'm gonna give you the shortest version of this I can give you because it is a very detailed story. But how do you, how do you find your path? I done picked up my eyelash brush, girl. This is <laughs> this is my pointer. Okay, how do you keep falling on your vacation? So because it wasn't a vacation, that is where God revealed to me my path, my help, and what the rest of my life would look like. Why? Because after getting robbed, we were supposed to be there for two weeks. We ended up only being there. Well, I ended up being there two weeks. She ended up being there one week because we didn't have any money. Life was falling apart back home. It was a huge snowstorm. We decided we're going to cut the trip short. We go to the airport. We'll get on the plane. Guess what? They forgot to check me in. They checked her in, but they didn't check me in. I get ready to to go and, and get my bags. And they say, oh, we don't have a flight for you. So we I'm robbed. I don't have any money. Well, that's not true. I, my, I had $100 in my bank account at that point because I got a couple of dollars from somebody before I left. Mm-hmm. So the next flight out of South Africa that goes back to, we were flying into Toronto or even the United States was seven days away. So now I'm not broke. <laughs> I'm not just broke, jobless in a country where I don't know the people. My friend has to get on the flight and leave me because the VP of British Airways happened to be there that day. Um, and <laughs> they had heard the, the sob story. We got to get these Americans back home. They having a real hard time. We don't want no issues with America. Send their ass back to where they came from because we, we don't want them problems. So <laughs> he said, he comes down, he says, listen, Rochelle, well, he'd ask, which one of y'all stand? There is no option. He said, I have. And, and next week, I only have one seat available. There's one seat available this week and one next week. One of you must go. I chose to stay because she had a child and she had an actively running business back home. And it was having some issues based on us getting robbed and, you know, her not being able to pay her um, employees because she was paying her employees from her cell phone. And, you know, apps and all that technology. Mm-hmm. So I ended up staying. I had $100 in my pocket for one week. I still needed a shelter. I still needed food. And I still needed transportation. Mind you, you don't know anybody and you don't speak any oh, languages no. here. So, <laughs> so I, um, I did manage. I, so I did end up getting a local phone. So chipping away at that money. 
and which didn't work. <laughs> Go figure. And I just look up. I literally threw my hands up. And this little girl, I noticed when I was in the middle of having, I couldn't melt down when she was in front of me because she was like feeling so bad. Like, like I'm not supposed to leave me. And I'm like, no, you have to go. Like you, like this is, we don't, you have to go. I'm going to figure it out. So if anybody who thinks she's a bad friend, she's not. I promise you, if you was there, you would get it. She had to go. She's not a bad friend, first of all. She once she invited you on the trip and was like, I ain't asking you about nothing else. Just come. So we we already is established. She a real one. But like when you have that situation where you literally cannot, you have to go. One has to go, one has to stay. So you would have somebody would have inevitably been the bad guy by taking that immediate hey, one of us but i was i was gonna be the bad guy she was gonna be the bad guy yeah so when she left i literally damn near fell on the floor crying because I, I couldn't do it in front of her i needed her to get on the plane and 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 be as have as much peace as possible but when i got up it was the little girl staring at me and she was smiling i'm not drunk crying but she's smiling and she's just looking at me like starstruck and i started walking and she's like walking with me and I'm like looking like who's Lord, whose child is this? Like I don't, Lord, I don't need a child to add to all of this. So I like we walk and we walked a ways too, and I could see her mother. I knew it was her mother because she was kind of looking. She was real casual about it too. And then when she saw her, she kind of gave her like, "Oh, there she is." Lady walks up to me, asked me, she, you know, she was like, cause she just keeps staring at you like you're a movie star. She was like, she can talk. She was like, that's rude, honey. Say hi. She never said a higher word. She just kept staring at me like she had met her most favorite star in the world. Mm-hmm. And um, I sat down. With <laughs> Meanwhile, <them>. you're crying. <laughs> it's like, it's nice. I had been crying. By this time, I've stopped because now I'm thinking, I don't want nobody thinking I'm trying to kidnap their child. Cause this little girl, but I'm saying before we drew her to you, you were crying oh, yeah. and yeah, the whole thing. Yeah, my yeah, cause I'm yeah, it was it was yeah. I, well, the little baby was angel, <laughs> cause I needed something to deflect that, cause I was it was gonna get worse. It was definitely gonna get worse. So the 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 mother inviting me to have coffee, and it turned out that their entire family was having coffee. They're taking up this huge table. It was like six of them. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, so we have coffee or whatever. And she told me she could tell I've been crying. She was like, you know, do you care to share? So I shared kind of what was going on. And, you know, I didn't really know what I was going to do. I didn't have any money. I didn't, you know, I needed to find a hotel. I only had $100. The hotels are going to be a hundred, at least $100 a night. And um, they sat with me for a while. And so I'm thinking that, so they were um, an Indian family. They're Muslim. And so, um, you know, a lot of them were wearing their, um, is it called a hijab? Hijab? How do you pronounce it? Hijab? Hijab. It's hijab. Hijab. And but, so, you know, if that's not correct, please don't. Yeah. Don't I, kill me, y'all. It's ignorance. If I, if my. Ignorance and please just help me. I'm, yeah. I was going to say, I, I'm not even calling you ignorant. I'm calling me ignorant. If I was like, you're like, is that it? I'm like, yeah. Okay. I think it's a job though. Good job. So, and I'm and my my true ignorance is thinking that since only the one person spoke to me when I sat down, is that the rest of them didn't speak English. Mm-hmm. And so after I tell this sob story of the first seven days of the trip, um, the lady's mother spoke. Kind of shocked me because I didn't think you know. I was like, oh, hey, how you doing, mom? Right. <laughs> he said, "You don't have peace." I was thinking, yep. It's kind of true. No kidding. kidding. I sure don't. She said, sometimes, and she said, this is not a religious conversation. I don't know whether you're Christian or Muslim or Buddhist. I don't know who you serve or don't serve. 
she said, but you are not here on vacation. You were never here on vacation. She then said, that's when I would have been looking for the door, like, oh my God. Oh my God. I gotta get out of here. Oh, I'm telling you, Bree, I could tell you so many stories when I jumped. I gave you some peace because he had to have to, to keep you grounded, uh, keep you grounded right there to hear what she had because that would have been the point. I would have been searching for my exit. This was not a vacation. I don't know what it is because I signed up for vacation. Honestly, I was here for everything she was saying because at that point, you. You don't know how important a mother's love is to a person until you're at a point where you need to hug your mama and you can't. And she wasn't my mama, but she was there for the hugs, okay? She said, this is not your vacation. This is your set apart. So this next part of your trip until you leave, basically tune into God, tune into spirit, whomever you think that is, because there's a message here for you and you had to be here to get it. said okay and like everything in that that clicks because i was gonna say i feel like we're similar in this way those types of things those types of like it's like whoa hold on this was like a prophetic situation at this point because it's like it's no longer like you just talking talking talk you know what i mean it's just like this is a meaning i'm gonna take this because it's just like because otherwise it's like everything aligns for Somebody randomly gave me a, a ticket to South Africa. I would have never gone to South Africa of my own volition. <laughs> like if I had to just pick, throw a dart at the map, I would have never ended up in South Africa on my mm-hmm. own. You would you said yourself it would have been Ghana over South Africa initially. You know, so it's like so it was like it was super something meant for you right there in that location. So it's like okay, this kind of checks out. Sorry, I just wanted to say you know as a be the only audience member that can be heard on the podcast. I just was like, well, hold up. This was for sure some alignment because otherwise it doesn't make sense for you to even have been there. You re- I think people rarely know when they're in a life-changing or altering moment. And in that moment, I knew that my life would never, my per- my perspective on life would never, my perspective on religion and spirituality and connection with people would never be the same because my mind was blown. She said, gave me all her mama talks, gave me her mama advice, and they got ready to leave. And I watched them and nobody had a suitcase. And I was like, oh, did you all check your bags in already? And they said, oh, no, we just came to the airport to have coffee today. Random. Because I promise you, I don't be going to LAX. I was like for Chick-fil-A and I don't be going for Chick-fil-A or whatever they got in there. I don't be going there for that. And you gonna bring your whole family, the kids included? I was like, God, what? Like, mind was blown. And I've said that to people, and they're like, well, what's the big deal? They didn't have luggage. I said, Have you ever gone to the airport to have coffee? Have you ever said you've passed Starbucks, Bigsby, Tim Hortons, the little independent? You've passed 700 coffee shops to go through to park far away from a building. Parking at an airport ain't easy. It took effort to go to that specific coffee. But long story short, that began a path for me of self-exploration. And do you know how I started it? I ended up figuring out I actually did. Um Somebody, so I, I I got my Africa phone working. 
somehow DeAndra got through. I had sent a message and she was on uh, Facebook Messenger. Love you, DeAndra. Love terrible, you. <laughs> terrible connection. You sample called Charles. And I was like, you called Charles for what? Charles is in Abu Dhabi. She can't help me. So she's, I don't care. She's international. She's got to have some help. And I was like, girl, I, I, I don't know if I hung up on her or she hung up on me, but I was not here. I was like, anybody got time? This phone might die in 32 seconds. I can't waste my the little bit of energy I got on this phone. And about 10 minutes later, my phone rang and it was some man's voice. And he said, what's your birthday? And I said, I ain't got time for this shit. Like, <laughs> ain't got time for this. Come on, it's my dang old birthday. The phone rings again. He said, let's try this again. When's your birthday? I said, who in the is this? <laughs> I don't have any patience. He took it. He said, my name is Malik. He, and I, he was so cute. He calls her Charlize. He says, Charlize um, <laughs> had me call. Apparently, you're stranded in my country, so you might want to listen to me and not be so rude. We love you too, Charlize. <laughs> you too, Charlize, because turns out her fiance, I think it's her fiance, um's best friend was South African and lived in South Africa. And could rescue me and when we hooked up um which was the next day he told me i was a little too temperamental for him he had identified <laughs> a hotel go get there call you don't text me call me when you get there to let me know that you're in the room and then i might call you back tomorrow you need a, you need some time to decompress you've had a tough day <laughs> I, I did i accepted that one because you can rescue me. i'm here for everything you got to say not nah. Yeah, I'd be nice. <laughs> so he, so we, we ended up getting together and he said, the reason why I asked you what your birthday was is because I have a feeling that this is a soul mission for you. This says, and it's going the second day, same, same message. This is a soul mission for you. You got some things you need to deal with and uncover. He said, I did the math and you're a master number 11. He said, I'm a master number 11. So take this. I think he said, take this as your internship. He's a very nice guy. Very stern guy. He's very, you know, very regimented. Well, he's a, he's a, he was an army man. He actually was, was a U.S. I think it was Marine somewhere in the armed forces for U.S. So he's a dual citizen. And, um, he took me through this crash course of numerology. And then he was talking about how the path of a master 11 is a very difficult path and things that are typically easy for some people tend to be very hard especially in the first part of life for a master number 11 and that's because the purpose of a master 11 is, is because an 11 is a teacher your sole mission when wherever you choose wherever you know your calling is to teach your your destiny path is to be a teacher in the world and you can't teach people if you've never been through anything. So understand that your most difficult times are literally because that would translate into what you're supposed to do for people in whatever your coaching, training, teaching, or whatever that thing is you choose to be. So you need to look at your difficulties and the places you don't fit. He said the other thing is we never fit. 
We never fit where we go. There is no mold. Because when you're a teacher, you have to be able to look at things from the outside and give a perspective for people who can't see it. You will never make sense to people. There are going to be a few people that, that you know, that, that'll want to get you. But this is a lonely path. And again, <laughs> you know, I grew up Christian. We don't do numerology, astrology. All of that is witchcraft. Right. And so it, it, it forced me to expand because all the... You can't take me through a trauma like that and then tell me it's witchcraft. You can't, you can't, you can't do that. And everybody can have their own ideology about it. But for me, it gave me a tool to start digging into those little girls that were following behind me. Mm -hmm. It allowed me to go in each situation and start to dissect some things that um, some of them I had never even spoken out loud. And understanding the more, you know, the more I was just able to basically relate those things and start to pull the total picture together, you know, even, you know, even the Bible stories, you know, all of it, it kind of gave me a total picture of what spirit looked like or, or what my spirit should look like and how, it would, how I could deliver it to people after I healed myself. So that, that Africa trip, I literally need to write a book. Everybody said I need to write a book and I just <laughs> have to. But there was so many elements to that trip that fed into going back to Steve Harvey, that, you know, the, the jump, it all started from the jump. And ever since I took that initial jump, these types of life lessons have been like nonstop. So it's really hard to deny that I'm on the, the right path because at this point in my life, everything supports it. Even when I'm, when I'm about, I'm like, is this even it? Bam, my phone rings. Right. When you're super like, it's just like, when you get restless, it's just <laughs> kind of like, you come right back to it. And it's just like, all right. Okay. You know, like, you're like, okay, Lord, I get it. Got it. Good. Okay. That's, I get it. And it got it good because, and I don't think I would ever be living my life in this way had I stayed in corporate. There are some people who are actually meant to be in corporate. They don't process it the way I do. It just wasn't for me. Right. I think that's what's always important to say, too, because now it's like a wave of people who are creative and who are saying, like, myself included, that ain't for me. I don't like it. And they, and they have bad stories about being in, in, um, in corporate when they weren't fit for corporate, right? So... I guess how some people can be like, well, I don't want you to look at me like I'm a this, this, and that because I enjoy my corporate. It's like, that's cool. It was supposed to work for you. But what I'm saying is it just, there was no way that that was going to align with who I am and what I'm supposed to do. Whatever that's supposed to is, this wasn't it. And yeah. so I love that, you know, I hate that it was so like, such like a scary and like, Volatile at times. Vile. That is crazy. That is scary. That's the worst fear when you go abroad is that you are going to get stuck in another country with no money, no nothing. You're going to have attempted kidnappings. You're going to, like, it was like stereotypical, like, this made from TV type of stuff. Right. Like, and, and, and so I have to do some people say I'm crazy, but. I have to do South Africa again because I cannot allow that to be my perception um, of what it is because I know that's not the full story. That was... Go with a few more people. 
I definitely plan on going with a group this time. I mean, more than four people. And you know, I don't even like to travel with more than three people. So Yeah, I was going to say, I went with a group and it was great. <laughs> I look great. I'm going to group. You don't go off the beaten path. You don't great. decide to go to local concerts. You don't, and you know, that was the stuff we was in. Because you know, I, I don't like, I don't like cookie cutter stuff. I like a resort. Oh no, I can do a resort for a weekend at, at best. Is if I'm relaxing, but when I'm vacating, vacating, I want to meet the people. I want yeah. to see you live. I want to have conversations um, with you. Hell, I want to sit down and buy you, you know, buy you dinner and, you know, and, and just and learn. Know, learn. So, but see, that's that teacher. Look at you. Yeah. Look at you. It's <laughs> always being a learner. And so, so we get like, we have this huge moment and then how we still how we get to the gut Shelly oh so when I, Malik going back to Malik so <laughs> when he saw me in person <laughs> he's such a jerk he says he says a couple of things one he was like oh you're cuter than I expected you to be I look last night I looked at your Facebook page and yeah you're cute and then he was like thanks <laughs> <laughs> I cannot receive any compliment because I'm still traumatized like I hear him but we that my space is not even. I can't. You're in a whole another country. He's supposed to be the help. How I'm getting out of here, bro? I don't care about how I've seen how I look, and right now I look terrified. Terrified, absolutely <laughs> terrified. But um, the other thing he told me was it, it was clear that I didn't know what compression socks were, a compression pants were, because I was so bloated and like, and and I couldn't see myself. I was so and part of it was stressed too. And he was like, "Your you need to detox." I'm like, I need to detox. So he gives me this list of things to do a liver detox, some Epsom, um, Epsom salt and some grapefruit. And he said, and when I went to, I eventually like, so the next day I ended up getting that stuff by myself, um, did the detox at the hotel and I didn't do that at his house. And I came back, he was like, yeah, yeah, I can tell you did it. And he was like, so this week you're eating vegan. I don't eat meat. Uh, we'll have seafood one time this week because, you know, once a month he eats meat. But he said, now you need to work on your gut. And I was like, I know my belly is big. He was like, I'm not talking about the size of like the size of your belly. I'm literally talking about the health of your gut. How are you going to operate and, and sustain? And, you know, and basically like, how are you going to support this dream if you are healthy? I can and and I wasn't. I'm like I ain't healthy. So I can look at you and tell you unhealthy. All health starts in the gut, and it made me go back to what well, sure does not like. I don't get colonics. You know, made me think about all of the pieces of the puzzle that I have. I'm trying to eat salads and stuff too, sir. I be drinking smoothies that I don't even want to drink. How dare you, sir? I be trying. This is what I, I would have been saying. That breakfast should not include. I mean, I know brunching and breakfast is something we do. But on a regular basis, we should not be eating meats and breads and starches for breakfast. And I'm not even saying don't eat them, but because you're breaking your fast from sleep, your body needs something that is easily digestible to start your metabolism. Mm -hmm. Our breakfast should be comprised of fruit, not even vegetables, but fruit. All kinds of fruit. When I went to his house that morning, there was like a buffet of fresh fruit. It was the first time, I know maybe the second time I've eat, I'd eaten a mango and all kinds of these. So that's what I truly enjoy with eating these fruits and things that we typically don't have in the States. Mm -hmm. oh, but there was some stuff I ate. I had no clue what it was. Mm -hmm. but 
immediately my stress began to decrease. My mental stress, my physical stress, my body was was looser. And that was a part of my, now, you know, there was the numerology part where he was trying to teach me about the path and the plight of the Master 11, but it, the, the part that, that resonated with me first was that I began to feel good, literally. And the swelling was moving, removing, was immediately just removing from my body. And from the beginning of the, when I first got there until, if I show you pictures from the end of the trip, I definitely, I wouldn't say I look like a totally different person, but it is a visible difference. And so I carried that. I didn't necessarily go straight home and become a numerologist and start, you know, like learning. You vegan from day one, you know. That's where I learned about veganism. Um, I had my next door neighbors were vegan. So when I would eat with them back home, like, you know, we would sometimes eat together. They, you know, be vegan meals. But it was the first time I understood how the body reacted to food. Mm-hmm. How the body, how the food made your mind clear or not clear. Mm-hmm. It was the first time me connecting the dots. That's pretty dope. I have definitely heard about the clarity and I have experienced, you know, done vegan challenges or whatever and definitely experienced like the clarity and like kind of just like the lack of anxiety and all that. It was the beginning of an obsessive research. And I don't, and I know now I don't, it's cause especially when, and that's nothing against it. There's a lot of people who study and there's, and, and I'm not saying that they don't know what they know, but it, let me know. Um, I've studied so much and the reason I feel comfortable now calling myself a coach is because I have coached myself using those methods into not taking depression medication anymore. Um, I was getting, sorry, fellas, and this is going to be a ladies talk, but um, in this part, but I was BV and yeast infections. I could not get rid of them I was because I was always sweaty and clammy and my stomach was hurting and I was eating the stuff and I couldn't I was going to specialists after gynecologists nutritionists and I'm like what is going on I knew they were kind of connected but I couldn't figure it out and it was I wasn't getting those things in my lady parts because I was unclean I was getting them because my pH was off and when you gut flora and vaginal flora are connected. Mm-hmm. So if you are not intentionally eating for that level of health, you're going to be a miserable mother sucker. You're going to be, because I don't So we know. got the mental com- component, the gut itself, and then we, got, then we got vaginal health and all this other stuff that's in the play just from the stomach. Just from understanding how the gut well, works. That was not the stomach, but the and, gut. Hmm? I said not the stomach. I said stomach, but the gut. Yeah, it, it, yeah. but just digesting as a whole and eliminating, eliminating that. You know, we are some of these detox and toxins, but I don't think the average person really understands what that is. And so that's why I'm so excited about teaching it because these are the no-no things that we don't, oh, that's nasty. Oh, we don't talk about that. But those are the things that are killing us. Think about this. There are some people that whose guts are so off from drinking and eating out these busy, hectic, stressful lifestyles. 
we have these high suicide and depression and anxiety rates. And we think that taking and medication is important because I had to regulate myself with medication. So I'm not telling people that medication is not important. Right. However, our guts are off because we are simply not drinking enough water and eating enough, eating the right foods at the right time. And I have yet to say be a vegan or vegetarian. Somebody else is going to take it there. I'm going to tell you that's your business because everybody, everybody can't be a vegan, vegan or a vegetarian because our bodies have specific needs individually. And you have to figure out what works for you. But what I can tell you is the basics of practicing eating habits that promote a proper gut health will help you in far more areas of your life than you probably ever could imagine. It's not just about doing the green smoothie diet to get rid of them inches on your belly. It's because that fat around that visceral fat around your stomach causes heart attacks and heart disease. And it just overall makes your mind and body unhealthy. Wow. I I am literally like I've heard her talk about this before, y'all, but I don't know. It's just I am I'm just floored. It's just a different a different thing and then also even hearing you and hearing just like your clarity on it is really interesting to hear as a natural teacher I was like you're over here teaching and all of those things so learning you know and so I don't I always hesitate with words like expert or health coach or wellness because as much as I study and have practiced and have implemented and have worked for me I just, it's just, it's just in general, an area of study with doctors and doctors don't need GI. I've been to a GI doctor who couldn't help me. Doctors don't really understand how that connection works. Most of the time. I know a lot of them will tell you they will, but I've been to enough of them to tell you and, and becoming a hydrocolon therapist. I've talked to most people become hydrocolon therapists because they've dealt with issues. I mean, from Lyme disease, all kinds of issues that they've been to a million doctors that could not help them and they started with colonics getting rid of the toxic waste from their system and started reading about now how do I rebuild it what do I put it back in and they have healed themselves based on natural health methods and you have to try a bunch of them sometimes but they achieved it mm-hmm. so hard to say like this is the formula for that that's, I don't think that's what natural health is. I think it is an ever-evolving study. So if I keep stuttering when I, when I call myself a health or wellness coach, it is because there's so much yet to be studied and explored. I think that that's amazing. I think that there's always uh, room to kind of join the two worlds. You know what I mean? So I think that it's like I definitely appreciate westernized medicine but I also appreciate you know natural things that we can do and kind of building and figuring out where those two worlds collide so that we can have the good health because even you yourself said don't stop taking your medicine don't stop doing anything like that but let's figure out other ways that we can kind of just contribute to our overall health be it from a mental health standpoint physical health all of these different things encompass you as a a healthy healthy human so it's like so all of these things are at play and I think that they all have a special intersectionality and like figuring out what works for you you said some people vegan will work some people pescatarian will work some people 
you can eat your meat, but just make sure you're eating some vegetables and fruit. You know what I mean? Like it's it's always a balancing act. And I think that that's always what's at play um, in health. And so let us know what you do in your business. Now we're going to pivot to your business, girl. So we figured out how we got to the gut, yeah. the gut of it all. So, so let us know. Tell us your business. Tell us how, you know, you came up with that, you know, the name and like what different things are you uh, soon going to be offering. And hopefully by the time that people can hear this, you'll have your own physical location. But even getting still, you can listen back to it, even if it's not at the whatever. So let us know. So um, I kind of forgot your complete question, but it wasn't a complete question. I was just talking too much. But I but the real question is, so let us know what your business is and what it offers. So um the flagship will be offering offering um hydrocolon therapy. Um for those that have had hydrocolon therapy, many of them have had it on what's called a closed system, um, which means that you have you go in um and there's an actual therapist that is in the room with you and they're actually um inserting the rectal tube that allows the water to flow through your body to, to clean yourself out my business will have open systems that allow a much more private um experience and so you'll be i'll, I'll offer a colonic experience where you can sit down and have some aromatherapy with your essential oils going and some relaxing music and have more of a spa experience when um spa and meditation experience when you're getting your colonic um, I find that from, from learning on the closed system, um, you don't want to bring, the point is to relieve stress. And so, um, I, I want to have a more Zen environment. And so the other products that I will offer and I will have some packages and memberships, um, will be, I'll have, um, probably some pop-in yoga classes. I, I won't do colonics on the weekends, but I'll have like some health and wellness classes and there are always going to be yoga classes. I am, um, a yoga instructor as well. I don't teach anywhere, but, um, I do have a yoga certification. Um, so I practice yoga myself, but <laughs> I want the clinic open the space for some even free practice. And I don't plan on charging for that part because I just want a space where people can come and move and meditate and, and have some peace. Um, I should say for my members, I won't charge them for that. Um, that'll be a part of the membership, but also I'll have some infrared saunas. Um, those are great, um, for detox and also working on the internal cells and cleansing, um, your system. And then I'll do the, um, the foot baths that will also be, um, detox. And so I'll have different levels of packages that'll include, say, maybe you get, X amount of colonics a month, or maybe you can do one of the, you know, you can do three of the services for your monthly fee. Um, I, right now, I can't say what the fees are because it's going to depend on where my location lands, you know, because you have to base, you know, I have to be able to cover bills. But it's not, I don't want a whole lot of offerings. I just want things that feed into solitude and cleansing. So um, the body needs to move. It needs some water and it needs to detox. And so that's really the pinnacle of the business. Um, and, and people need education. And so that will be something once everything is set up. Um, I have my therapist. We're all ready to go. We just we need a place to practice. But um, I'm excited. I'm excited because um, is it going to be the hot and popping thing? And, the, and you know, no. 
but I just want people to be have a safe place to heal. That's it. And um, so that's it. That's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do is open up another one of those spaces. Well, that is beautiful. Not enough in the world. I think so. And I think that that's an amazing way. That's like such a, I don't know. I love the mentality of if it's for you, then if this if this resonates with you, then it's for you. If it doesn't, move along. It's fine. It doesn't have to be all of these different things. But it's like I've literally been working towards this outlet, and this is the creative outlet for me, or this is the the career outlet. This is the wellness outlet. This is what I've been called to do. So if you wanna, if if you if it resonates with you, amazing. If it doesn't, amazing because it, it's so special and it's yeah. close. It, it, this is your baby. This is close yeah. to your heart. Yeah, I mean, and there are going to be those people. They're going to be the wedding parties that come in and they're trying to. They want to go get the sauna, you know, the sauna slash the um, colonic experience because they want to get, you know, get them stomachs on flat, flat before they put those dresses on. And so they're going to be those, you know, you know, those, those. And then there's going to be the people who really, who really get it who really say, oh my God, like, like me, like this is a place that I need to frequent because for whatever reason, my digestion does throw off very easily and it does throw my whole being off and wellness is important. Health is important, but wellness, I think they're different things mm-hmm. is not something it's, it's not easy to achieve and we don't, we don't have time or make time to do it. So I just, I hope I can create a space that people want to be in. Um, because I, I just, we just live in this world where we're constantly fed with information and overload and ripping and running and you, you need to decompress. You really do. Oh my goodness. I decompressed just having this conversation alone. How do you feel? I feel good. Um, this is my first podcast, admittedly. So um, my nerves have worked out a little bit. Hopefully the conversation is a little more fluid, but you know, I just, I feel good. I feel like it's not rocket science. I, I'm excited that we're in a world now that can embrace it. Because when I started doing this stuff, people kept calling me a weirdo. And that's so nasty. Why do you do that so often? I, I'm excited that I feel like my business is coming into flourishing at a time where we are in this organic, well, you know, health, you conscious type of vibe. And Black folks, because it's not that this didn't exist. This is just a world that we didn't have access to at first. We didn't know anything about health and nutrition and wellness that's you know that's just that we weren't we were raised in survival mode we didn't you know most of us didn't have options to eat all of these uh you know and not well, I wouldn't say expensive foods but you know we, we just didn't do that but there's, there's food deserts at play there's a lot of different things right. and I feel like this displacement like like what we were talking about earlier this is a shard that's just somewhere way off in the in the valley for somebody else for you know, for for most people in our community as like African Americans, it's just like this is something you didn't un- even understand this realm of thought until you went back and you kind of like took away from that displacement that is already kind of that you're born with the dis- you're born displaced, and yeah. so to be able to figure that out and have that kind of thing and have their your path led to a point where you can get that type of clarity yeah. and. 
I think that that's beautiful. And a lot of the times when you're a pioneer uh, of sorts, especially um, as like a free thinker and all these different things, um, people are always going to be like, oh, this is weird. This is whatever. This is strange. But I think that it's so beautiful when people stay steadfast despite being called weird or being looked at like, what are you talking about? This is crazy. This is this is witchcraft. This is not it. No, thank you. You know, none of that. Oh, so what you're saying is you left you left all of that to 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 suck poop out somebody's booty. And I'm like, if you really want to be basic, um, yeah, I did because it kills people. So right. <laughs> and I want people to live and I don't want them to live. I want them to live a my grandparents, think about this. My grandfather lived until he was 101. He bought his last car at 100 years old. He lived a completely healthy life until he just died. Why? Because he was raised, he assimilated as white when he was very young. Both of his parents were killed. A white family took him in, so he had a different education on food. And that was 100 years ago, so we, you know, it still wasn't that advanced then, but his, his exposure was different. He knew to do different things that his peers didn't know to do. Mm-hmm. So when he when he, he died at 101, he looked 65. He was still driving his car very well. He was a good driver. You know, he just, he lived a, his life allowed him to live fully and freely. And that's what I want to see for our people is, I'm seeing, when I worked in a Medicare clinic, I was seeing 60-year-old people on walkers, with oxygen, with gout, with all kinds of all high blood pressure, diabetes, and it's all because we don't understand what to put in our mouth. That's a fact. That's true. And it can really literally be way more simple. And also, if anybody has anything to say about what she's doing right now, let me tell you something. She can still be doing the colonics and that could be less poopy than working in a corporate environment that ain't for you. Somehow. At least it is what it is at the the end of the day. It is not glamorous. It is not a glamorous thing. And I understand that because I've done it. You know, I've I've done it. You know, I've done this. um, I've done this for a few years now. Yeah. But nobody can tell me Nobody can take away the feeling that I have when somebody walks in and they thought they were going in because they wanted their stomach to be more flat. And they walk out and they say, I feel so much lighter. I feel so much clearer. One lady said, she took a deep breath. She said, I don't think I ever knew what it felt like to to breathe to the pit of my stomach. I've been taking shallow breaths for so long because I because I was telling her to make sure she you know was breathing through her process and so she did that. But when she came out, she had she said to take a deep breath means the world to me. I had no idea what that term really meant. Like, wow, you never took a deep breath, sis? No, because I'm <laughs> of. <laughs> like, Listen, I I don't want our people to be sick and miserable. So if that means that my life path is that, so be it. Oh my gosh. I just love you so much. Too. That was beautiful. That was beautiful. How can we support you? 
in the giggly gut and all these different things like where do you want people to find you and follow you and support you however they can now granted now she's going to have a physical location so it's going to be somewhere where is that like where's the city area it will be in the city well my hope is the city of detroit um it has been really difficult um but my goal is to concentrate in a brown area um no pun intended no pun intended (laughs) no pun intended um because the one clinic that we did have in detroit is no longer offering that service he does a, amazing classes on herbology and 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 healing with um tea, you know with uh, marijuana and all kinds of all kinds of things but that particular part of his service is no longer going to be offered and those people are now traveling out to the suburbs to get these services done although he was the first he was the first um in the metro detroit area so basically all, all every i want people to be able to to, to get healthy at home Mm-hmm. And so that is my goal. There is a possibility that it will be an Inkster, um, but my goal is to keep it um, in the city of Detroit. That's amazing. Is there any social media or like a website? We can link everything below. Um, right now, no. I actually um, deactivated my account. I have somebody is actually rebuilding my website right now. Mm-hmm. So um, because it, I have some updated blogs and things that I want to put on there. Um, so right now it's mostly just reading my story um, because there's no physical place to point it to and my services aren't offered. I do, however, um, I am going to uh, start offering coaching sessions via my, my website. So that will be the first thing that's offered because I think it's valuable to have convers- just, you know, at least start having the conversations with people who, who want it. Um, I think that's amazing. I'm going to advertise it. Um, so I'm praying about that. So what y'all can do is y'all can pray with me and meditate with me and figure out the the best way to bring the coaching piece because I wasn't going to do coaching. Um, but I just, you know, when you follow your spirit, um, I do think that you can't have one without the other. I agree. Well, thank you so much for taking your time and sitting here and sharing all this valuable knowledge and love and light with us. So, no, it it was definitely a great experience. So I, I appreciate you for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Creative Conversations podcast presented by One Choice Magazine. If you made it this far, you've heard encouraging words and tips that will help you on your creative journey. Be sure to subscribe to the show on your platform of choice and leave a review. Like and follow the podcast on all social media at One Choice Newsroom and follow me at Brianna underscore E93. You can also join our mailing list online at onechoicemagazine.com. I send out a newsletter once a month with recaps from the show and a bonus resource to help you on your journey. Get links to everything mentioned during the show in the show notes. Remember, it's only up from here.